Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, and welcome into Attacking Third, a CBS Sports Soccer Podcast. I'm Sandra Eckert, I lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. Joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host, Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we're chatting all things NWSL Week 8 recap. There's a lot to get through. Before we get to it all, quick reminder, subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, as a podcast, leave us a five-star rating and review when where you can. Follow, like, and download so that you never miss a single episode because, again, we're always live, Lisa. We're always at it. How you doing, buddy? I am so good, Sandra. What a crazy NWSL weekend. Really, what a crazy end to it. Two matches on oh. Sunday that we're going live right after. Of course, we're going to talk about all of them, but um, I love jumping on here Sunday nights because yeah. it's like the energy is pumping. Our chat oh, yeah. going crazy because they just finished the game with us. We're all on the same level, same level right now. Um, but I had a good weekend, you know, spent some time with family, which was nice. Yep, and yep. of course, ended it with a lot of NWSL soccer. How are you? Happy Sunday. Happy Sunday to you. I'm uh, I'm always happy to hop on here, like you said. I think there's a certain amount of energy that we all still have after NWSL action uh, before we jump into a new week. And there's always a bit of energy where you're just a little restless and you're just like, God, I'm kind of amped up or you're high off of the adrenaline of the game that you maybe just consumed. Um, and it's nice to kind of come on here and chat and talk and sort of reflect on everything. Well, and, I'm not uh, going to lie. Sometimes it's like a bit of a snoozer at the end of look, the weekend. We get snoozer games sometimes. It happens. It happens. Not this week. No. But that's not the feeling that we've got coming into this one. Not not, not at all. Um, I, I, I'm ready for it. Uh, it, it. It feels like, even though it's technically not, it's not true on the calendar that su- it's actually summer yet. That's that's still coming. This felt like a very like summertime kind of vibe weekend for me where, where people were just like, players were just going out there and kind of popping off where they wanted to pop off. And we'll, we'll hopefully sh- shed some light on some, some strong individual performances. But we got to start recapping these games. And we're going to begin with probably the game that's freshest on everyone's mind. We're going to chat a little bit about O.L. Reign versus Gotham FC. Go Bats, because it's 4-1 for the final scoreline. Gotham snatching all three points and new number one in the standings. Massive. Massive for Gotham to, to come out with a win 
on the road in Seattle against Shield winners last year, O.L. Reign and Laura Harvey. Uh, for everyone that missed our preview or forgets, Sandra had Gotham taking the win in this one. I had a draw at Lumen, so congrats to Sandra. Starting I, off on a high note here at the episode. I got to just thank I, – I literally have to send all my sincere thanks to Gotham because the we just got to, like, jump off and say that the picks were not great this week, y'all, but Gotham came through for me, so thank you. Yeah, it was um, crazy, this this kind of win from Gotham. Um, I mean, O.L. Reign, this is the first time that they have lost consecutive matches um, under Laura Harvey since the summer of 2021. It, it is massive uh, for this win. Gotham, a, a couple players getting their first NWSL goals. Rookie Jenna Nightswanger in that mix. Uh, Bruninha for Gotham as well. Of course, Lynn Williams. Um, we have to talk about this because not only does Lynn Williams score, she gets the second one in this quadruple goal fest for Gotham, but Happy birthday, Lynn. Today yep. is her 30th birthday. She scores a goal. Tremendous to see from her. Um, and this is the third time that Lynn Williams has scored on her birthday. Shout out NWSL PR for putting this one out there. Third time that Lynn Williams has scored on her birthday. She did it in 2016, 2017, and 2023. And no other league player has scored on their birthday more than once. And Williams has done it three times. I just love a fun fact, Sandra. Look. That's a that's a stat. I love I love that they were ready for that too. They're like, you know, you know who's been scoring a lot? Lynn Williams. And you know, her birthday's coming up. Maybe, maybe she'll brew up something, something special like she has been in these opening eight weeks. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, you mentioned Bruinha as well. I mean, kind of getting on the on the later end of, of this mm-hmm. goal scoring affair for for Gotham FC. But I think still an important goal to know, whether it's William a goal from from Williams, from Bruinha, from Taylor Smith. I mean, that's what you love to see, right? Mm-hmm. I think we we love a we love a worst to first uh, first kind of storyline. And um, yeah. everybody wants to chat about that. And and there's still a lot of season left to go. But right now, for this week, it belongs uh, to Gotham. They absolutely have yeah. gotten there through through um, team play, essentially. I mean, it was great hearing Christy Mewis at the end of that game um, talking about it, that the team pretty much felt like they were well-prepared uh, and equipped, mm-hmm. uh, thanks to their coaching staff, to give them the game plan and go out to go out there and execute it. Um, and they did. And it- Honestly, you do like to hear that because that's not always the case, right? Sometimes you can have a game plan and and it can fall apart in the opening minutes of a game or you can veer off of that game plan entirely and it works really well in your favor and you get the win. But um, the way for people that didn't watch this, maybe listening as a podcaster or just joining us and didn't get to watch this game, it was 4-0. Gotham went out there and scored these opening goals in the first 15 minutes, it was two nothing in the first 12 minutes, Mm -hmm. it was two nothing to Gotham. And at that point, you have to think, okay, what is going to happen with O.L. Reign and Laura Harvey's team at this point? Are they going to change things? What's going to happen? Because Gotham started this game on the front foot, putting so much pressure on O.L. Reign, and that's what worked. Uh, literally, so much pressure. Before halftime, it was 3 nothing. Taylor Smith gets the third goal for Gotham, and this goal was probably my favorite of the night um, for Taylor Smith. Just the way it was a build-up goal, an entirely team goal, uh, ticky-tacky, moving the ball around, gets inside the box, and then Smith finds the back of the net. And then Bruninha getting her the fourth goal for Gotham in the 73rd minute before O.L. Reign and Jordan Haitema answer back off a corner kick in the 77th 
minute, um, but massive for Gotham to get four goals on the road. The last time Gotham got four goals in a game was against Boston Breakers. 4-3 win September in 2017. Like, are you crazy? Uh, Gotham, a, a different team under Juan Carlos Amaros. We're just throwing throwing it back to all kinds of different stats. Uh, Williams on all her birthdays scoring, and now yeah. um, uh, Gotham with the Boston <laughs> Breaker memory. Yeah, no, I, I look, this is, um, th- I feel like week eight, right? We talked about in the preview. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring a little bit about a little bit of that, what we were chatting about onto this recap. That, you know, this is a season where we're not exactly at the halfway point just yet, but this week eight kind of ensures that you're inching a little bit closer. So coming coming out of week eight, there's about three more weeks mm-hmm. of games before there really is that halfway point for teams moving forward. And I think, you know, you, there's never a perception, I think, from whenever you talk to players or, or coaching staff throughout this league that there is a season to be lost within the opening quarter or even second quarter of a season. And while that may be true, you the other side of that coin is that you can certainly set yourself up for success. Yeah. And that is absolutely what Gotham has done right now in these opening eight weeks. For O.L. Reign, on the other side of things, we've got to talk about the losers, the losing side of Always. things here. Um, maybe a little bit of a spell here for O.L. Reign in terms of, of dropping form or dropping results and, and in terms of which we want to point at and look at a little bit closer uh, from from this team. I mean, it, they just didn't have a lot of answers for what Gotham was presenting them. They did come out a little bit more adjusted, I think, for that second half, but just, just not enough to, to ever really make it a game. No, I, really tough. I mean, I think uh, not on the same page, I think defensively. I, I mean, not just because of the four-goal scoreline, but with how stingy O.L. Reigns defense had been up until this point. They had only conceded six goals in the first seven games of the regular season, and then they go out tonight and they concede four. It was breakdowns, I think, in the midfield specifically is where Gotham really, really dominated Um and just didn't give any space to O.L. Reigns midfield. Now, there were moments, right, of greatness and moments where uh, or early in the game, Jordan Heidema should have had a goal. She should have had one. Something yeah. happened. It was like a breakdown play, ball through. Um, uh, the entirety of Gotham's back line thought it was offside, and it was not. And yeah. Heidema didn't finish. She had Balser wide open on the back post. She didn't play it to her either. So that's, that's something that, like, they're going to watch back and say, okay, if we score that, I think it was in the first half, it changes things. Maybe it's 3-1 at that point, but you still have another 45 minutes left to play, and that's just not how it happened. Megan Rapino had moments of greatness. We got to see a lot of minutes yeah. out of Rapino on the left wing, um, but – it was pretty individualized and they couldn't do much working together as a group in the front line. And that's what struggled. And that was very uncharacteristic of OL rain. Yeah. We'll see if they can um, turn it around in the upcoming week and week nine. But uh, for now, a little bit of a small slump. We'll see if they can uh, shake it off and, and get back into the win column. Well, speaking of teams, Getting back into the win column, we got to talk about Portland Thorns. Got another lopsided scoreline here, four zero against the Chicago Red Stars. We got to thank Portland Ooh. as well because this is another team that came through for us on our poor predictions, Lisa. They came through. We said they'd get the win, and they came through. I don't know if we had this as a totally no. completely lopsided mm-hmm. score, but we did say they would probably win and win comfortably but we got to maybe talk a little bit about how they got here and we have to do that by talking and highlighting a little bit 
of Crystal Dunn celebrating Marcel's birthday. Happy birthday, Marcel. We're celebrating everybody's birthday on the tacky third. Uh, but happy birthday to her son, Marcel. And opening things up uh, in this game, getting a goal and getting an assist in, in this game. Crystal Dunn doing it all yeah. in the midfield for Portland Thorns. Looking good. Looking great. Yeah, I think Crystal Dunn getting involved in every single play that happened, right? Like, even as soon as Portland would lose the ball, something would happen. It it was like, oh, wait, Crystal Dunn has it now. Oh, oh, Crystal Dunn has picked up the ball again. Oh, Crystal Dunn is on it. She just was all over the place. Um, she's so good in the midfield, Sandra. Crystal Dunn yeah. is so good in the midfield. She gets another goal. Um that is fantastic for her. Her fifth goal. She's tied for first golden boot right now in the standings with the NWSL. Yeah. Um, and this was a really good win for Portland after three games where they hadn't picked up three points, two draws and a, a loss coming into this match. Now to get this dominant win over Chicago, four goals and a shutout. Kelly Hubley in, in the postgame defender for the Thorns talking about how they, they were finally back. They, they weren't playing like themselves over the last couple of games. And you could tell from the opening five minutes that this was a Portland side that was looking a little differently because that's exactly how it happened. Kelly Helbley gets the opening goal in the eighth minute off a set piece. Um, it's always fun when defenders score. We like to celebrate that here at Attacking yeah. Third. And then, as you mentioned, Crystal Dunn getting the second goal. She ends up getting the assist on the third goal to Olivia Moultrie as well. I want to talk about this player, Olivia Moultrie, yep. 17 years old. This is a star in the making, and she's getting more and more time and more and more minutes, starts, consistent starts under Mike Norris and with this side, and that's only helping her grow and become a better player. The Thorns are dealing with a bit of injuries in their midfield, which opens up that door for Moultrie, and she's taken this opportunity and proved that she deserves to be on the pitch and, and made a bit of champagne problems for Mike Norris and the Thorns in – having to take her off if and when other players get back. And now there's so much more competition in that midfield, but she's been involved in so many scoring situations for the Thorns over the last several games. And to finally get one herself 16 minutes into this game to go up three, nothing. It was like uh, the air just being deflated out of the red stars at this point. I mean, it's, it's a look, I, I think bringing, again, we're bringing the, a little bit of the preview back onto the recap here. I mean, we talked about Moultrie, and how we wanted to see this game and and her get the start because it's it's been a, it's been a mixed bag. We've seen Moultrie get extended minutes in 2023, yes, but she has not been a player who has been starting consistently for this Thorns team. Maybe that's going to change very very soon. It was she was tasked with a start tonight, and this sort of midfield trio of of Dunn, of Coffee, of Moultrie is. Look, maybe it's something very, very special that's that's ruined very early on here in, in the first half of of the season. Um, and like you mentioned, maybe a bit of champagne problems and maybe players getting opportunity in light of minute rotation or uh, injuries that impact other players. Right? We're not we're not seeing Rodriguez in this week because of mm -hmm. an injury she sustained in the previous week. Uh you know, and, and so you get to maybe say, hey, you know who we're going to start instead? We'll, we'll have Olivia Moultrie. Because, again, we talk about how depth yeah. comes into play for these teams over the course of a very long season. And this is a really good example of that. No Christine Sinclair? No problem. There's enough players here on this roster as it's assembled that they can slot in and slot out and still look dominant and still look lethal. Now, again, to bring the preview back a little bit, this was also a team that we were talking about. Are they going to get back in the win comments? 
and they had been in search of a win for the last what three weeks yep. or so have had to settle for draws uh or otherwise and now this is maybe a little bit of that springboard for them to not only get back into the win column but back yeah. up into the standings yeah I, th- I think it is a bit of a springboard for portland at this point to to get this dominant win over chicago side they fa- they play san diego coming up next week so they needed this win a really dominant one over chicago um Sam Coffey, I want to give a shout out to her because two assists in this game. This is a player that I don't feel like we're talking about enough this year, but not because she's not doing wonderful things. It's more so just because she has done so many great things last year. And as a rookie, we were shocked. We hadn't seen that before. And she raised the bar for herself and she is is hitting that bar. Every week, I think she's just doing tremendous. It's consistent play from coffee. That's been so crucial. Um, And two assists on the night, the first goal. And I think the last goal for this one, um, massive to see from coffee and, and just a player in her sophomore season in the league. Yeah. I mean, I think, look, even though this was a team that maybe hit what they possibly consider a slump, they didn't get wins in, in consecutive uh, weeks. Um, this is still a team that has a really uh, deep bench, and I think that they know that they're built to maintain and sustain a long season. Now, if you're the Chicago Red Stars, it's maybe a different story. They are probably the opposite of those things. This is another big loss for this team. At this point, it's eight weeks, and they have lost six of their games, and there's just not a lot of answers for this team at the moment. Uh, We know that also similarly to Portland, they're a franchise in the process of of potentially being sold, and there's not a lot of updates there. And we're looking at a team that kind of goes in and looks deflated. I mean, we saw some of the body language in this game alone, how they conceded. It's not just conceding the four goals. It's the way in which it it happens. You're talking about back-to-back early goals, and they're down by three in the opening 15 minutes, and you could – just seeing you can hardly blame the players for having disappointed body language it just sort of feels like a grand theft audio or grand theft auto like meme all over again we're just like oh here we go again it's just like very hard for this team um and players just sort of not having a lot of answers and i think you look to the coaching staff to maybe provide those answers and you you still aren't getting them either so i think it's just going to continue to be a long season uh for this team moving forward and i think if you're portland you're trending up yeah, for sure. I think with Chicago, um, the head coach, Chris Petroselli, saying that he's tried to change up players, trying to change up formation, he tried to change up some things, which, yeah, sometimes can work and shake things up. But there's a lot other things happening right at Chicago. And and sometimes you just need a little bit of consistency. Once those change-ups don't happen, will we start to see a little bit more consistency in terms of lineups and rotation or, or just small changes for the Red Stars? Maybe that would help them moving forward. I mean, mm-hmm. it's tough. It's a tough road ahead when you look at this point for the Red Stars. Bottom of the, the table, six losses, and have really only picked up four points through eight weeks. It's tough. It's tough. It's going to be a slow season yeah. for them. It's going to be long and hard for them, but you're exactly right. Portland trending yeah. in the right in the right and, direction. And possibly for us, because, I mean, it, it's just sort of like we're we're like a broken record at this point. It's like it's just yeah. not a lot of new things to, to talk I mean, about. This happens. Situation. Like, there were, Gotham was pretty bad last year, and yeah. at one point it was kind of like, we have nothing else to say about them. They yeah. are struggling. Now look at them. Number one in the standings. So, a lot can oh, change. Lisa, I love it. You're just like, there's always hope. You never know. You never know. Yeah. Gotham, number one. Portland, number two. We've got more games to recap for you. So stick with us after a quick break. 
Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. All right, let's talk about some more surprises along the way. Perhaps some tides turning for some teams at this point in the season. We got to talk about Orlando Pride versus Washington Spirit because down goes Washington 2-1 to Orlando Pride. Orlando coming off of some some good couple weeks here in the league. I th- I kind of felt, you know, I think when we were reca- when we recapped the previous week we felt Orlando was a little bit unlucky uh, yeah. to maybe come away f- um, with all the points uh, against Gotham and carried a little bit of that momentum into this week and came out with a 2-1 win against Spirit. Love massive, see. massive for Seb Hines and Orlando. Four games unbeaten at this point in the season. Um, they're on a bit of a run. They are. And to take down the number one in the standings, undefeated Team Washington Spirit, especially when you're going up against a lineup that's Ashley Hatch, Trinity Rodman, um, Ashley Sanchez in in that front three trio, it's a really tall task to go up against this team. Uh, we talked a little bit about it in the preview. Anna Morehouse has has owned that goalkeeping position for Seb Hines and Orlando Pride. She has stepped in and made that her position and her role, and she has dominated. And, of course, she she does get one in um, right against her. This Washington side does get one. But the fact that Morehouse made so many incredible saves throughout this game, that's what really impressed me, that despite the pressure happening with the team and incredible shots from Washington. There were a couple moments where I was like, that should have found the back of the net. And Anna Morehouse comes out of nowhere making a save. And the shots from Washington were typical Washington shots that we're used to seeing outside the box, a lot of pace on them, really good texture through traffic. So it's hard for the goalkeeper to see. And Morehouse made it look pretty easy. Um, But we got to talk about some of these goals, Sandra, because Marta, 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 the Brazilian FIFA World Player of the Year, superstar Marta, she gets on the scoreboard. Um, Her first goal since October of 2021 comes by way of a penalty kick in the 23rd minute. Um, Tough for Washington how this one led up. Then Marta gets the penalty kick, but Washington responds immediately, immediately on a set-piece corner kick. Uh, another defender goal. Sam Staub gets the equalizer just a few minutes after Marta's penalty kick. But, man, Marta, she's Look. back maybe, opening the floodgates? Look, uh, the Brazilians were just killing it this yeah. weekend. Week, week, week eight belongs to Brazil because Adriana wins this foul in the box. It was you know, poor challenge uh, from Brooks on Adriana. Martha says, this is mine. Going to step up, take it, convert. It's a huge moment. You could see what it means to her. You could see what it means to the teammates around her. And, I mean, it's an important it's important goal to get. You're, you're going up against the only undefeated team at the time. It's, it's, a, it's a big stage, I think, in terms of some of the storylines that you're taking a look at going into a match like that. Um, 
And I think to have that early goal and give yourself an opportunity to play ahead instead of from behind, which is something that Orlando has hasn't had the opportunity yeah. to do often this season. I think it was a really important moment, um, you know, for the team to to go ahead and try to rally behind that, and they did. And I love I loved your your comments on on Morehouse. I think we saw early quarter of this season where maybe there were some question marks and, and some unknowns about who was actually going to be the starting goalkeeper for this team moving forward. Um, who was going to have that responsibility in the net? I think I want to talk a little bit about, you know, Emily Madrill and Megan Fusco. Yeah. I think that was a pairing that we had been waiting for to finally come together and get to see as a duo in that center back pairing. And now we're getting to see it on a little bit more consistent basis. And I think it's starting to pay off. Uh, Madrill doesn't look as maybe wide eyed of a rookie as she did in those yeah. first early weeks of the season is looking far more comfortable and a healthy Montefusco, I think maybe contributes to that a little bit when yeah. you have a veteran presence next to you and are able to develop that kind of good chemistry. So with your center back duo kind of on the same page, that also obviously helps with your starting goalkeeper as well moving forward. So I I, I loved it. I really, really did. And I yeah. think just not to just sort of end this, you know, cap it off at the end um, with, with Marta, but she also delivers the assist on this game winner yeah. for Tostrom. It was great. Yeah. I mean, Marta just playing lights out this game, it, being at home in Exploria, uh, I think she also played into that. It's a it's a little bit more helpful when you're doing that. But you you touched on Adriana, um, the play from this type of player in those wide areas of the field. Adriana had insane crosses into the box. Yeah. If there were Orlando runners on the back post, they probably would have had two or three more because the balls that Adriana was whipping in across the mouth of the goal and just no one touching them and it going all the way through, uh, maybe skidding off a Washington defender going out for a corner or just going out all the way on the other side. There has to be those runners far post because if Adriana is doing all that work to work down the flank, beat defenders, send crosses in, you got to have someone on that back post. But Kylie Strom gets the game winner in the 77th minute. Um, I, I'm into the stats. Looking at them this weekend, 14 shots for Orlando and Washington only had nine. Yep. However, six of the Spirit's nine shots were on frame and on goal. But Orlando with 14 shots out shooting their opposition, that's what I like to see. You, you got to take those shots in order to get them. Um, I think Messiah Bright also had a, had moments and spells throughout this game where she looked it, not at all like a rookie, similar to Emily Madrill, getting rid of that bright eyed play that they had in the first opening weeks of, of being a professional in the NWSL and just owning their game a little bit more. And we saw that confidence from Messiah Bright at moments during this game. Yeah, I think it's a big win for them. I mean, look, they hand Washington Spirit their first loss of the season. Spirit, like I like you, you ran down the stats, but because it, it ultimately paints the picture overall that they weren't necessarily completely out of this game, but they did have uh, areas in the pitch in which they did struggle. I don't know if this is the type of loss that they take a look at and say, gosh, that was demoralizing. Perhaps maybe it is going to be a different type of motivating factor for this team going into week nine, having been the only team undefeated for as long as they were now something a little bit different to, to play for moving forward, trying to maybe get back into the win column and um, get back to the top because this loss 
left that open, left the opportunity yeah. open for other teams to to jump. So uh, we'll see how Washington respond from a game like this, and honestly, how Orlando builds off right. a game like this. Because again, this is finally a game where they were able to play in front of instead of from behind, and maybe they get to carry that momentum into Week Nine. Uh, you and I, you and I, both having Washington in this one too. So love both. to be wrong. Yeah, love to be yeah, wrong yeah. in the name, just, in the name of just of, keeping people up to date on our picks and keeping ourselves honest. Because look, we'll definitely no one will expose us more than ourselves. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, fully, fully. Um, let, let's pivot to uh, another another uh, match that we were maybe looking at that could dictate some different things in the standings, and it does for San Diego Wave FC. We're going to talk a little bit about Houston Dash and their 3-0 loss against San Diego. Again, if we're keeping ourselves honest, I think I had Houston in this one as maybe the team to try to utilize this and motivate them. We both did. So let's talk about how we were incorrect and maybe how Dash kind of let us down in our pick here. Um, I think I said this similarly about – Chicago not having a lot of answers against uh, Portland. Rain not having a lot of answers against Gotham. Houston, not a lot of answers against San Diego Wave in this one. And they were the hosts. So not a lot of travel on them. They got to, you know, wake up in their own beds, prepare for this game as, you know, as as regular as they could. And um, just were never, ever at any point (laughs) of this game um, looking like a team that was going to just grab it by the scruff of the neck and take control of it. Not at all. And especially not in the way in which they conceded so early in this game against Alex Morgan. She scores to open this game up in the opening couple of minutes and now has five goals on this season. It is a tight race for the early golden boot race. Several players with five goals, including Lynn Williams. Happy birthday again. And Um, and Crystal Dunn. Those are the top three. Yeah. Morgan Hatch, Dunn, Williams, all players with five goals right now uh, in this very, very early golden boot race. Uh, But I mean, look, I think if you're looking bigger picture here, if you're looking maybe in your eyes on a World Cup that's about 60 days away, you love this for Alex Morgan. And you really love it if you're San Diego. Yeah, massive win for San Diego to get this one. We're talking about the stats. One shot on target for the dash in this game. Just, as you said, nothing coming from from the Houston side to get back into this. And the opening two minutes of this game where it's a – very, very poor giveaway uh, in the back line for Houston Dash. Um, a soft pass back to Jane Campbell, goalkeeper. That was, I think we saw that three times this weekend where defenders gave bad, weak passes, not a lot of mustard on them, back to their goalkeeper, and forwards look to attack. They put pressure on the ball. They chased it down, and that's what Alex Morgan does in in the opening 90 seconds of this game. She gets one of the fastest goals uh, that we've seen her get in a very long time, and that's how this game starts. So two minutes in, Houston's already staring down the barrel of the gun of of a San Diego side that is coming off um, a shutout win on the road. This is their third road game. Um, They could have looked very different than San Diego did, but they looked refreshed, rejuvenated, like they were playing at home, like they had the upper hand, like they were 15 games undefeated coming into this one, and Houston just looked completely defeated 
yeah. after this opening two minutes and I was waiting for them to pick up their heads and can we turn things around? No, none of that came. With uh, the front line, we talked a little bit about Diana Ordonez and, and where we would see her. She was yeah. out last week in mat- match week seven for Houston. She was available off the bench and she came in for Salmon. So again, we don't see Salmon and Ordonez playing together on the yeah. pitch. Instead, it, instead, it's Alozi, Sanchez and Salmon getting the start and then Ordonez coming in off the bench. But um, just, I, I mean rough for Houston and really good for San Diego, right? They have turned things around. We got to see Sierra Enge, the, the San Diego native, get her first NWSL goal. That. Madison Pogarsh, she gets the third goal for San Diego. That's her first goal in a wave jersey. Yeah, assisted um, by Alex Morgan. Yeah, exactly. And both of those goals, the second and the third for San Diego, coming off corner kicks and set pieces. You got to fix that, Houston. That's that's really struggle. That's bad for them, right? Like I'm gonna, I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. It's rough. Yeah, I mean, look, this was one of the teams in, in the offseason that we looked at. Like, what what are the what are the moves that this franchise are making to make sure that they capitalize on their season that they had last year, where they finally broke through to the playoff picture out of a regular season after years and years and years of of missing out. Um, could they capitalize on maybe some of that success that they found in that bubble in 2020 and where would it go? And it finally happens in, in 2022. And we're, we're just sort of seeing this disconnect a little bit. Um, they brought on a new coach in, in, in Sam Lady and, and maybe trying some things out or lack of trying things out or not plugging in players in, in the same or in the, the areas in which they're, uh, you know, lack not finding success at the moment. Um, I got to imagine it's, it's frustrating to a certain extent, yeah. Um, and I think when we're looking at kind of just the sort of the lack of midfield support, I think as well for, for this dash team, I think is, is a, is a struggle for this attacking trio that we talk about that we are looking to see anywhere, like any week now, we're going to see like some lethal action here, but, um, now with Ordonez kind of making her return, it's, it's, we're still not kind of, we still haven't seen the, the trio in action. And we're, we're referring to, to Sanchez and Ordonez and, and, and Salmon as well. But um, I, I mean, look, everything that we're saying about San Diego, I think maybe they were a little bit motivated about some of the results from, from mm-hmm. last year against Houston. It was very, it's very cool to, to talk to uh, head of coach Casey Stoney and sort of now that she's got a whole year of experience coaching in the NWSL and how she's targeting certain game plans against certain teams. I mean, and has highlighted playing against Houston in Houston and how you have to perhaps change your tactics a bit to make sure that your team is successful on the road away in the Texas heat. And it was very cool to just see come to life. And I love a rookie goal from Sierra Inge as well. I mean, look, this is a player that they specifically made a trade for. They wanted to jump up in the draft to make sure that they nabbed this player, right? And she gets rewarded with the effort and the goal. So just a good win for San Diego. Keeps them in the contenders conversation, really. With Houston, uh, we we talked about it a little bit, but we saw Sam Lady switching up formations, right? Trying to three back in this one. I just don't think that's... Yeah. effective, right? Like Caprice yeah. Dasco is so good on the flanks and yes, you need her to get into the attack. So to, to, in theory, having her as a wing back might be good, but when you're going up against Alex Morgan, Sophia Jacobson, Jaden yep. Shaw, um, 
you need to have a little bit more stability and structure in that back line. And Didasco, although she, however great she is getting crosses into the box and on the attacking end, I think she's an even better defender, 1v1. And so you need her across your back line. Um, We'll see. We saw a lot of like formation shifts this week. We we did, and I'm a little curious. Maybe as we as we pivot out, as we pivot out to maybe finally talk about these these two games before let's maybe close out this segment here. Like, is there a certain point in a 22 game regular season that a, a coaching staff has to say, okay, this right here, this formation, these tactics, this these right here are going to be the old reliables. Is it now or is it like or has that time passed for? I mean, we have turned the page. We are a third of the way through the season. We are eight games in a 22 game season. That's that's some math right there. And yes, you have to have your old reliable. Now, if your team is it, if the tactics are strong enough and honestly, the players soccer IQs are smart enough, you can maybe have a couple in your arsenal. We saw that with Portland Thorns last year. They went on and won the championship, Mm -hmm. switching between a four back, a three back, five in the midfield, three in the midfield, two in the midfield. They were all over the place, but it worked for them because it was really hard for opposition to prepare against a Portland side when mid game, all of a sudden they could switch and, and just like that, be on the front foot in a brand new formation. But it's really hard to do that. And to master that you have to master one before you can start to add more into your arsenal. And I think we're just seeing too much of a change from some of these teams that are struggling and they're looking for a solution. All right, we'll see. We'll see if Houston can bounce back, and we'll see if San Diego stay the course and keep picking up these wins. We've got two more games to recap for you, so don't go anywhere. We'll be back after a quick break. All right, two more games for us to recap for you all. Thanks for joining us Sunday night as we go live after Week 8 action in NWSL. Let's talk about the only draw (laughs) that took place over the course of Week (laughs) 8. North Carolina Courage versus Angel City FC. Not only were we treated to a draw, but we got treated to a 0-0 draw, a scoreless draw between these two. We said we would keep ourselves honest here, Lisa. I think for the pigs, I think I went for Courage in this one to pick up the win. Same. So did Lisa. We get to talk about what went wrong in this one. They split the points. So yeah. maybe if you're, uh, you know, one of a couple of those middle of the table type of teams right now um, in this uh, first third of the regular season, you're saying, hey, we'll take we'll take the points against each other and move on. But I think if you're the courage, sort of the couple of weeks that you've had to date um, where it sort of has looked like they're starting to put things together a bit. And you're the hosts in this one, right? Maybe you're a little disappointed that you couldn't uh-huh. bag all three. I think North Carolina is disappointed um, not getting three points in this one. Yeah, they stay four games undefeated with this draw against Angel City. But this uh, North Carolina team had chances and opportunities and moments. And um, Angel City getting, no, I don't want to say lucky defensively, but coming up with big stops in order to, to keep a shutout. Meanwhile, Angel City didn't have too many opportunities. There weren't too many moments where I was like, wow, Angel City's going to come back and get yeah. one. Whereas there was probably five moments where I was like, North Carolina's got this. They've they've yeah. got it with Tyler Lucy, the way that this player is going against her old club in Angel City. She's an engine. And 
she just does so much work um, nonstop running, and it plays into the way North Carolina and Sean Nahas want to play. Uh, I was really impressed with Lucy. There were moments, plenty of moments, where Tyler Lucy could have found the back of the net. Um, 12 shots for North Carolina and only six for Angel City in this one. Uh, we, we were pretty high on Emily Fox as well. I think she had a fantastic game. But, uh, yeah, I think if you're North Carolina, you're disappointed that you don't walk away yeah. with the points. And if you're Katie Johnson, you're disappointed you don't find the back of the net in the stoppage time when you've got a, a gift on a platter right in front of the net and it, it, you don't even get yeah. to shoot it. You overrun it. It, it almost it almost sort of felt like it was building up to one of those moments like Kejo at this point is no stranger to to those kind of late game heroics, but it just wasn't meant to be, unfortunately, in in this one. And that maybe you're wiping your brow and in, in relief if, you, if you're the courage. And like you mentioned, disappointed to not get on the end of it if you're if you're Johnson, but was definitely curious Um you know, about what we were going to see from North Carolina Courage. We're going to continue to see some of the consistent um, play that we've seen from them. And we have, and I, and I, I was, I was happy with that. Cause I think there are some teams like we just recapped Houston and San Diego and we're like, there's question marks around, you know, mm-hmm. Houston and their identity and who, how they want to be moving forward. Uh, we talked about earlier in this episode about Oral Rain not really having a lot of answers in response to, to Gotham and maybe talking about this game specifically for North Carolina Courage. They're back to, you know, holding possession and wanting to try to have the, you know, yeah. really good link up play and trying to be patient at times. So it's good to sort of see that consistency, which is we think at this point going to be helpful for teams moving forward. And it was something that, you know, Angel City seemed to struggle with throughout the game, but really in that first half, you know, just kind of gave into the pressure a bit at times for against the courage, you know, and when they did have the ball, they were not able to keep it. It was all of a sudden it was right back uh, into North Carolina. But, you know, maybe it was a little bit of that isolation or containing of Mm -hmm. of Caroline that perhaps helped, um, sort of level things out and maybe make sure that they were kind of trying to, you know, Angel City were trying to eliminate um, as many dangerous threats as, as possible. And that's how you sort of get this, this stalemate. Um, curious about the um, rotation in this one on Angel yes. City. We saw Thompson come off the bench. Ertz, we didn't see, but was available to yeah. on the bench. Like, that's, I don't know. That's my thing with the rotation in this one. Perhaps the travel for Angel City going from coast to coast um, didn't help them. I'm not sure what Freya Coombe has cooking because, yeah, we see Alyssa Thompson come off the bench around the 55th minute and she takes off June Endo. So that was also like a, a shock to me to kind of see that rotation. No Julie Ertz at all in this one. Um, Allie Riley also gets subbed out in the 55th minute right after halftime. Um, just a, a little bit surprising the rotation that we saw um, from Angel City and Freya Coombe. I was a little bit confused as to kind of what was happening. And and maybe this was a game Freya Coombe was like, you know what? We're going to go with a draw. We win. <laughs> That's fine. But like – right, she didn't – I mean, you would start yeah. Thompson. You would. Look. If you're looking to get three points and score early, you're going to start her out there on the pitch. So maybe some other things happening. I'm not maybe. entirely sure. But that was something I I noticed. I, I wrote that down. I was like, what's yeah. happening here with the rotation? I, I mean, look, they got six looks on, uh, you know, on, on, on goal. Only one attempt on target, though. Maybe there's there's something in that to the math that you're presenting right now. Uh, if you don't have those players who are good attacking players, maybe it leads to, to fewer shots and even fewer attempts uh, on goal if, if you're Angel City. But I don't know. I think 
again, at this at this juncture of the season, maybe if you're interested on the road on a long trip to North Carolina and come away with a point, you're okay with that. You're happy. You're hanging your hat on these sort of defensive performances for Angel City that you want to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to have that solidified in in the instance that your attackers that you have been missing for quite some time are maybe close to getting uh, yeah, back. You know, we're, we're seeing a lot from Sydney the Ruin hearing that she's closer and closer week to week to week, right? What's that going to look like? I think that's what Freya Coombe and Angel City is hanging their yeah. invisible future hat on, the, the strikers that are going to come back into play and start scoring goals because it, that's where Angel City has struggled um, getting, getting goals this year. And, mm-hmm. and now it's two straight weeks where they haven't found the back of the net. Um, I think they're hoping that LaRue is much closer and it's just going to come back and, and start to go on this tear and this run. I mean, me too, honestly. Yeah, League same. Is more fun. League is more fun when Sydney LaRue is out there scoring, scoring goals. We would love to see it. But these two teams split the points, stay kind of middle of the table for now. Let's close it out with the final game to recap. We're going to talk about Kansas City Current versus Racing Louisville. Winner, winner, Savannah DeMello. That is the new that is a new phrase. It's 2-0 win for racing over the current. Just to bring a little bit of what we were chatting about on the preview earlier this week when we made the pick for these two games. We we're curious about how these two teams were going to line up against each other and what the energy was going to be with this, considering they had just gone head to head in the challenge cup match midweek. We saw a lot of rotation for Kansas City current. Not necessarily the same deal for racing Louisville. Turns out. That doesn't matter when Savannah <laughs> DeMello is just playing lights out. She had her stamp on that Challenge Cup game, and now she had her stamp on this Week 8 match. Some defensive oopses happening yeah, here for sure. Kansas City Current. It, it just breaks open the opportunity for DeMello, and she pounces on it, and they just really didn't look back. Yeah, that's exactly it. Whatever Savannah DeMello touches turns to gold, perhaps. Um, It's similar to the Alex Morgan San Diego goal to start that match for the wave. Um, It's a really tough back pass from Croy Soto uh, to Cassie Miller. So Cassie Miller in goal, right? We weren't sure we were going to see AD French, Cassie Miller. It's Miller. Um, And it's a tough back pass from Soto. Not enough pace on it. Miller has to come out and try to get it. She she does get to the ball first, but with DeMello chasing her down, putting her under pressure, DeMello gets her foot out there and it finds the back of the net. That massive um, and a quick way to start the game. I think across the game this weekend, beside North Carolina Angel City, it was like opening 15 minutes, we had goals. We, we had action and goals because DeMello gets this opening goal for Racing Louisville in the 12th minute. Um, and then she ends up getting the assist in the 27th minute to uh, Kirsten Davis, who, who gets the second goal for Racing Louisville. But throughout this game, um, we saw a lot of good things from both sides, right? Savannah DeMello is, is wonderful to watch. She makes touches on the ball and she makes an impact. She's similar to the way that Crystal Dunn is to Portland Thorns. Savannah DeMello is to racing Louisville without her on the pitch. You notice there is a big hole. And when DeMello is on the pitch, she is creating, she is a catalyst for the game and for this team. Um, but the, the second goal coming on, on a quick counter attack after Kansas city has very long spell of attack and moments. Mimi Larson knocking on the door in the opening 15 minutes before this this initial goal from DeMello comes. Um, 
Kansas City looked like they were on the front foot. The first 10 minutes, I was like, all right, Kansas City's yeah. getting one. They've got so much pressure on Racing Louisville. Katie Lund is being forced to make saves. Racing Louisville is forcing to defend with 10 players behind the ball. And then with just the turn of a switch, a defensive mistake by Kansas City, DeMello gets on the board, and yeah. it, now Kansas City is down one. Look, I um, I think, again, another one of these teams where we have question marks around Kansas City current, we're just like, what are they going to look like as they start to approach this midway point of the season? I think if you look half to half racing with the, with the pair of goals in that first half, unable to expand on that lead in the second half, maybe it's because of the halftime adjustment where you just sort of have that quick check-in with each other and then maybe take a look at your bench and see who can come on in and maybe make a little bit of a difference. We see the substitution for um, uh, Corey Soto come out for, for Merrick. And then when at the hour mark, we see Rodriguez come on in for Mimi Larson, Spantra, the rookie coming on in for Labonta later on in the half to try to make this push to go ahead and get on the board at the very least uh, for Kansas city current. I mean, we also see the return of Kristen Hamilton come into this game. We have to touch on that a little bit. We're very excited to see the return of, of Hamilton. We talked about that in the preview. Like, is this finally going to be the game where we see Kham return? And how long will that be? Because again, she's missed an extended yeah. period of time. Turns out it's just in the final 10 minutes or so of the match. But but it's a loss here. It's an L for the current in this game. But I liked how they closed it out. It's uh, yeah, it's it's an L for the team for sure. But I think it's a W for fans seeing yeah. Hamilton. I think it's a W for Hamilton, right? Hammy getting ten minutes yeah. at the end of this game finally. That that's hopefully going to build. I, I think we yeah. predicted that this week. We we're like, this mm -hmm. is the week that we get to see her, but it, it'll be ten minutes. So we knew what yeah. we were getting ourselves into. Um, and I think that there are positives for. Kansas City to take out of this one with yeah. their back four that they played with again, right? They, they stuck with that back four. Yeah. Um, and I think it looked better than it did the previous time they played with it. Um, of course, having Dabinia, Labanta, and DiBernardo yeah. start in the midfield helps. Yeah, DiBernardo with a point-blank opportunity yeah. late in the game. You could just see yeah. like in this this ridiculous save by Katie Lund. You could just see the body language in DiBernardo. She goes to her knees like, I cannot believe I know. that didn't find the back of the net. But that's a, the good energy, right? The energy right. that you want to see your home side kind of end with and build upon, hopefully to maybe capture some of that and keep it and retain it and nurture it into the next week in the hopes that more of these players that have been missing mm -hmm. for the current to start this first half of the season will continue to build their way back into form and get onto the pitch. I think we're very excited about the possibility of what we could see with Hamilton and getting totally. some more extended minutes alongside her former teammate in Davinia and what that will look like for the current in the future. I mean, in those 10 minutes, that Hamilton was on the pitch she already made an impact now the passes weren't connecting there was a, there was a bit of like miss chemistry between that but that's going to come with time and, and with maybe more than 10 minutes just for Hamilton as she's working her way back from injury but you could tell that the play was elevated with Hamilton on the pitch and, and her mind was working over time trying to connect and, and trying to get something on the board but it's really hard to do at that point when you're already 80 minutes into a game the players around you have a different mind set than you do and, and you can only bring so much of a spark without everyone else there with you. Uh, I think that Hamilton could be one that changes the tide for Kansas City in these next coming weeks the more and more minutes Kristen Hamilton gets. The footage is out there on DeMello 
does racing sustain this moving forward? I think they do. Right. I really do. I think what um, Savannah DeMello is doing for this team is fantastic. And I think that she's so young that, yeah, I think she can sustain this. They they go to play North Carolina next week. That's going to be tough for them. But I think Louisville sustains it for at least a little bit. They're climbing in the standings. Back-to-back wins. How do they go from here? Can they keep this momentum going? I think they do. All right. You like it. I love it. Week eight. That is a wrap from us here at A3. We love to check in with you all, as always, to talk about all things NWSL. But that's it from us tonight. Thank you all so much for listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, and listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch us, too. So please subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And we'll be back with even more NWSL content this week. So stay tuned. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Thirst.